friends, welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look in movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always, and again by my uh, tiny child who likes to say swear words and drive cop cars and just play with guns in the most unacceptable cringy way and co-host, Alex Dandino. Guys, if you like the show, take a second. Uh, please share us on your social medias. Find our social medias. We're on all the big ones. You can email us, uh, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com with ideas of movies you'd like to see covered. Find us on YouTube, The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. This is me pointing uh, to the for subscribe all the good buttons. content that's coming. Yeah, we don't. I don't do the buttons. I don't know what you're always talking about. But that's cool. We're learning on the job like everyone else. Guys, enough of that. It's time to get that serious. Today we say goodbye for now to Shake and Bacon Month. Uh, what an amazing journey. I must say. Amazing. I'm glad I pushed for this one to be in our five-week <laughs> our five week slot because it has been a delight to watch these Kevin Bacon movies. And what sucks is there's probably at least four or five more. We didn't do Wild Things. We didn't do Messengers, uh, The Woodsman. There are a bunch of other Kevin Bacon movies that I would desperately like to cover We'll definitely someday. have to do another Bacon Month. Like, it's yeah, too Yeah, I much. don't think we're done. He's such a great actor that there's just too much great stuff. Yeah. But for now, we're wrapping out our first uh, Shake and Bacon theme month with Cop Car. A little bit off the beaten path, no pun intended. A little lesser seen in Kevin Bacon's, you know, uh, grand IMDb scope. But I think it's a really awesome film. It's, it's really fun on a lot of levels. Alex, walk me through your uh, initial feelings on Cop Car. I like I like Cop Car because it's tight. It goes fast. Like it doesn't tight. really. It's tight. It's a ninety minute movie. It's eighty eight minutes actually. It literally spends yeah. no time squandering the premise. It gets right to the business and says, "I know what I want out of this movie. I know what you want out of this movie. Let's not bullshit each other." And then it gets to it. It's great. And then Kevin Bacon is yeah, Kevin Bacon's properly menacing. These two kids are properly dumb and everyone in general <laughs> is just entertaining. Yeah. It's a really stellar cast. They throw together for this movie. What I like about this too is again, like you said, tight less than 90 minutes tight, but it's very still, right? It has this kind of grand Western scope to it. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's a really small tight film, right? They do a lot of, just long wide shots where you just get to see these actors just existing in this kind of desolate, uh, almost sad Alice in Wonderland by the end of the movie. Yeah. And, uh, I just really like the pacing of this movie for being so tight. It doesn't feel rushed at all. I thought no. that was fantastic. Um, and yeah, the reason I think is I think I can't remember which one of us, but we both agreed this should be in our bacon theme. What I like about this movie is, one, it's showing you the kind of roles that Kevin Bacon can still do now. But also, this is a, like you said, he's properly menacing in this one, but in the most Kevin Bacon way, right? There's a great shot in the movie when, after he commits this heinous crime, right? They kind of start him off as, look at this cold-blooded badass. And then he realizes, oh, fuck, they took my car, right? And then it becomes this almost dude-wears-my-car moment of yeah. him like, fuck, 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 fuck trying to like run through the field with this giant bag. And I was like, look at how they Kevin Bacon just went from yeah. stone cold, menacing, murdering cop to a fucking Looney tune, right? This man right. who has no respect from us becomes very laughable. And that is so 
perfectly Kevin Bacon, right? To be able to even take a menacing, murdering, small-town sheriff and give him that every man context, the yeah. man that we all know. It's it's a beautiful role for Kevin. Yeah, I think... We're on first-name basis now, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Good old I, Kevo. <laughs> I think the the advantage that Kevin Bacon has in this movie and the thing that really makes him wonderful as the quote unquote villain of the movie is that, yeah, like he changes on a dime through the entire film of like from Looney Tunes character to menacing badass. Like it happens very suddenly in a lot of respects, like obviously at the very beginning when he realizes the car is gone, but like. It's very funny. I think that's the other thing that really strikes me about the movie is that everything about the movie is so bizarre. It's you kind of have to spend your time laughing at it. Like everything that happens happens so haphazardly that you're just sort of throwing your hands up at some point and be like, "I can't believe this is like the case. What's going on here?" Right. It it definitely starts to do that. You know, it's kind of the the Coen brothers vibe light, right? Very much so. Where it's just these people in these very big uh, crime adjacent. Well, this is just crime dead on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of head spaces, right? And you just watch these buffoons dealing with these enormous problems. And again, I think Bacon's a great, <laughs> a great guy to carry this movie. Cause I'm surprised how much of the movie happens away from the cop car. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause <laughs> early on, it's this stand by me, right? Instead of, you want to see a dead body it's let's run away and it's these two little charming boys right and it it just reminds me of me and my friends when we were that age where it's like let's just go walk around and see what shit we can get up to right right saying bad words whatever you know there is a very interesting dynamic they had right the moment that really sealed it was when they threw the rock at the cop car to try to see if they were going to get busted for running away (laughs) and he's like let's run and he's like my fingerprints are on that rock. And he goes, mine too. And they're like, we got to get this rock. Yeah. And so it's, they think they're really clever, but they're very, bon- it's just the immediate chemistry. And again, I think this is the kind of Western shooting of it where it's just pulled way back. And we just spend a lot of time just kind of sitting in stillness with them. Right. But it's a great, as soon as they get the cop car, you're like, oh, this movie's off to the races, right? The cop car is going to become this uh case from fantastic beast where every compartment's gonna have a new adventure right them learning something but this movie for a tight 88 they probably spend half of it not with the car no if not more the the cop car is sort of this macguffin in a lot of ways it is it is it really is it's like it's a perfect macguffin it's probably the biggest one i've ever seen in a movie by the way um normally it's some (laughs) normally it's some stupid thing in a briefcase but this time it's literally a cop car um but the thing that I really enjoyed is these kids who are, uh, yeah, like, I feel like, per- particularly now that I'm a parent, these kids, like, experimenting with all the things you can find in a cop car might be one of the most terrifying experiences of my entire life as an adult watching this movie. This The scene when they cut to them in the field and they're playing with the tape and they're both just like, hey, shoot me in the bulletproof vest. And they clearly don't know how a gun operates. They no. don't know how to get the safety off. I was sitting there just cringing. Oh, yeah. Right? Because... And this is it becomes extra wild at the end of the movie because I'm like, come on, this is a film with our two main ten year olds who are completely innocent for the like they pulled a, a little cheeky move taking a car, but they have no done no crime, right? Right, right. They're they're kids that ran away from home because it seems like they have some hardships, right? And they feel now like they are men in the world, right? And right. The, the movie does a great job of illustrating them like this is what a grown adult man should do. 
But yeah, them just playing with the guns and the shoot me in the chest scene. Oh my god. I was appalled, but in my mind I'm like, there's no way this movie's gonna hang a dead children on the scoreboard. Like I think it's okay, but it's super cringy. Yeah. And even when they open the door of the trunk and they first find the the tied up uh, other criminal, they fucking are holding guns to his face. I was like, the amount that they're just diving right into this childhood fantasy run amok is actually pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. I mean, like that. Yeah, like the fantasy of being a kid is so horrifyingly punctuated a lot of the time, too. Like every time they get to the point where they think it's all sort of fun and games. That's when it's punctuated by the real world stepping in. And it's either like Kevin Bacon, who, by the way, I cannot think of a scarier voice on the other end of a police banner radio than Kevin Bacon. Like boys, boys that like that moment to me, I was like, sure you could. It's not menacing. It's just like, if I, if I could do a Bill Cosby impression right now, That's the cop car voice you don't want to hear. That and that and like Fran Drescher. Those are the two voices I don't want to hear. Yeah. No, this is what but the movie does this really well, which is. I love the way that, again, shot very wide, very still for the most part. Mm-hmm. The cop car is a fantastic device, but not the movie doesn't hinge on that car, which is a pretty interesting trick they pull. But what I think is fascinating is how much they fucking raise the tension. Even like think about that scene, right? Just them with the guns. The stakes of that scene so high. Feel enormous. Oh my god. Right? And that's before you the, at the end of the movie the director completely loses our trust. <laughs> but even Kevin Bacon, right? Him trying to steal that car. <laughs> he's a sheriff and we know he's about to steal a car. We don't really know what's in that bag all the way. They are raising this up. With only visual cues, right? Yeah. One of the first things with Kevin Bacon that struck me was the scene when he's dragging the corpse out. And it's kind of, it looks like a dead teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Like he killed a teenager. His hands and feet are zip-tied. And as he's dragging him, he slips, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the woods or whatever. And he stands up and just kicks, kicks the Kicks the corpse. shit out. Yeah, I love that. And then just throws him in a pre-made hole with lime. and you, Or lie? Lie? Lime. Liar lime, whatever it is. I'm sorry, I'm not very good at disposing of bodies. But I was just, look at this menacing motherfucker. And so for then, to him, to go through this, right? When he's trying to steal the car, that becomes a horrifying scene. When at the end, nothing really happens other than he gets the car. Yeah. Um, when he when he calls the dispatcher on the phone in the woods and he does his, hey, I'm the wholesome small town sheriff voice, <laughs> that becomes wildly scary. Yeah. I think the Jekyll and Hyde the movie does a brilliant job of that. Yeah. The Jekyll and Hyde-ness that Kevin Bacon displays in this movie is so terrifying because the lawman voice yeah. is so parental. And then like every other voice he has is so like, it's a cross between like scared and um, just like he's scared for what might happen with the cop car. Cause there's obviously evidence as we find out in the cop car itself. Right. But then there is this like sense of panic that, he instills on the boys early on simply because he knows he can. Like, I think that's like one of those great, um, one of those great, like audio cues from our own lives is like, we all know that there are establishment figures in this world, like police officers, police officers, supposed to trust police officers, so on and so forth. But imagine being 10 years old, stealing a cop car and a cop car calling you back and be like, Hey, you got my car. 
you're dead. Like those are the kinds of things like that authoritarian nature to scare the shit out of you is pretty, pretty, um, pretty great. That's a great, it's a great audio. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and it is, it's this, because the way he also comes through like, oh, boys, you did a great job. Tell him you're doing a special job for the sheriff and sitting in the back seat. Right. It's, it is the, it's an interesting movie to me in another respect is that they don't really hold anything back. No. A lot of movies of this ilk, it's like, let's try to surprise you. And I guess you could say you're pretty surprised when the guy's in the trunk. Right. Other than that, I feel like I know exactly what's coming every scene. You know, like you pretty much know what's happening. And it's just watching the inevitability of these four to five people coming together for that moment. As soon as they all hit the same spot. Yeah. You know that something explosive is about to happen. Once uh, I'm always interested in movies that can they can tell you that story. Right. And add the elements and start the chemical reaction, but delay the explosion, right? Yeah. Like, they're not, it's not bad times at El Royale where every scene it's like, actually, I'm FBI. Actually, I'm an amnesiac murderer, <laughs> right? Like, every scene's like, uh, actually, I have porn of politicians. Like, what in the fuck is going on, right? Right. This just kind of slowly rolls it out for you and says, it's as if, a, it's like a Final Destination flick, right? Right. They're really good at that. You know this fucking person's dying, and you're just sitting there waiting. Like, when's it coming? How does this all happen? Right. And this movie does that really well. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that once Cameron Mannheim shows up to like basically parent the boys, that's like sort yeah. of I'm like, I think something. That's like a great ominous moment that has like no audio or no like audio cue for it being ominous. You're just like, because. It's weird. I had this sense of relief once I saw Kevin Bacon show up. I'm like, oh, good. These kids are going to, like, be okay. Even though this guy's obviously, like, a fucking piece of shit police officer who's murdered people. I wasn't sure what the deal was. And that's, like, probably another great advantage this movie has is literally not explaining anything. Just knowing, like, killing people's bad. This guy killed two people. Okay, cool. Done. Like, I need no, right. I need no other I knowledge. Like about this movie. Right. Most other movies would be like... Well, we got to do the 20 minute backstory between the dead guy, the guy who claims he killed his brother, even though the dead body looked like an African-American and he's clearly very white. Right. You know, a normal movie would be like, we got to do flashbacks and tell this whole story. And I don't think you do. What do you need to know that this movie doesn't tell you? Kevin Bacon murderer. This guy uh, involved with Kevin Bacon in some kind of drug thing. Yeah. Goes belly up. They want to kill each other. Like. You don't need I, to know I think a whole it's lot actually else. pretty ballsy, right? To just not be like, yeah, we don't have to do this whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's you perfect. get it that this is a, a crime group gone awry. Right. I mean, I think that's like the advantage of the movie itself is it functions on everyone's preconceived notions of what police officers do, what criminals do, and what children do. So absolutely nothing will be surprising unless you unless you have to explain something, which this movie doesn't. Nothing about it will be surprising you at all. And nothing about it will be confusing to the point where you're like, wait, why does that guy? Like, it doesn't matter because it's happening. It's already happened. Like, it's occurring, and there's no reason for yeah. you to know why it's occurring, but it's happened. It's pretty cool. Uh, like, yeah, and, it, and sometimes I think movies get caught in that trap of they over-explain to the negative, yeah. right? Where then it's like, well, if you're overly explaining everything, now I'm really like, why am I seeing all this? Is there a flaw in this plan? 
Because at the start of the movie, that was the big question I had. Why is there a cop car that seems like something nefarious is happening just left in the middle of nowhere? Right. Where did that cop go? And that's the only flashback in the flick is they're like, oh, he was disposing of a fucking body. Like, yeah, that might preoccupy you for 30, 40 minutes. Right. And I was like, good. That's all I need to know. That's that's it. Like, I don't need to but know, I don't need to know it, anything other than a cop <laughs> is disposing of a body out of his cop car. Like, that's literally all you yeah. would need ever. Kevin Bacon could not speak in this entire film. And that's all I would need to know to know. That's probably not a great guy. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, there's even a point when he's ready to just shoot another officer. Yeah. Like, like he gets pulled over and if he is not able to get that cop pulled pulled away which is strange too cuz he calls in a crime and the guy the officer's never like hmm, maybe this shady fuck in the car is the guy on foot who stole a car right <laughs> yeah. but you're like if this goes south bacon's going to murder that cop totally. one of his brothers right right and that's a pretty taboo right cop killing in general let alone if it's cop on cop right and so i think that's the cool thing is this Back and forth of look at how despicable Bacon is, but look at how much of a ruby is. Right. And same with the guy in the trunk, right? He gets out. He's kind of nice, and he's like, oh, kids, you guys are so cool. I'm going to give you a bunch of money. You guys like girls? I'll get you Playboys. <laughs> and I was like, is that how you think you're going to like win these kids over? You fucking – and next thing we know, he's got a gun to their head. Right, right. And you're like, yeah, I should have seen that coming. The guy who offered them money and Playboys. <laughs> but uh, – the, the weirdest part of this film, I got to say, uh, for kind of the tight <laughs> tension building exercise it is, I don't understand the need for the Karen in the other car. Yeah. Right? So well, we see her in the car, and she's the first one who reports a cop car missing. So I was like, okay, it'll be important that she reported it. Right. It wasn't. No. Then she shows up, and she's like, these sons of bitches, they embarrassed me in front of fish and officers. <laughs> And she just starts storming at the cop car, right? Like, two kids in a cop car. She's like, I'm going to dress you down while you're an Olive Garden manager. <laughs> and it's like, what is the point of this lady? And then well, Bacon's just like, hey, walk out there. And she gets her fucking head blown off. Yeah. I. That's the arc of the Karen in this movie. I felt really bad for her. <laughs> uh, yes. I believe the character's name is Bev, which is a great – it's just – Honestly, an amazing analog to Karen, by the way. Um, Bev's my second. Yeah, interchangeable for a lady who will scream at some kids that aren't hers. Bev's my for offending her sensibility. Bev's my second favorite name for besides Karen for a portly white lady in the Midwest. That's just like one of my all-time <laughs> faves. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what her purpose serves short of like the initiation of carnage. Because, like, she's the first. Yeah, well, there is this really weird moment, right? I don't know if this stuck out to you. But when she's in that restaurant and she's ordering food, because I thought she was going to be one of their relatives, right? I thought that's the direction it was going. Yeah. And so that's why she came out of the car hot and yelling is because she's like, oh, these are my wards, my responsibility. Right. She just likes to yell at other people's kids, right? But there's this scene when she's, like, debating, do I report what I saw or just eat in peace? Right? No one got hurt. Right. And she looks at the fish tank. And okay. Did you think that she was going to start making the fish mouth? Because I did. I was like, is she going to start acting like the fish? Yeah. Well, I was like, if I hear like a psychic voice of God from the fish, I was like, this movie's going to get my kind of weird <laughs> right now. Like, I was super pumped right. thinking there was some kind of God complex in that fish. 
why is she staring? Like, why is she taking her moral compass moment from that fish tank? I mean, like, I guess that's I guess that's what you do when you're in a why in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. You just say, you know what? That fish is telling me something. Having been to Wyoming, I, I can don't tell care you, if the rest fish, of these people don't respect me. Having been to Wyoming, I can tell you, yeah. fish are often the moral arbiters out there. So I would understand. Yeah. Uh, I'll never be able to eat here again on Buffet Tuesday if I can't look Nemo in the eye. <laughs> that was such a funny moment because I, I was just struck by it. everything else in the movie is so streamlined. It felt like, and I was just like, why? But again, they're already gonna have a shootout. And- it's apparent. You know, she's serving the same narrative right. purpose in this movie as that beer bottle that he shot from the windmill. Okay, yeah, I thought <laughs> that was going to be important. He shoots that windmill. Yeah, we know exactly that he's planning on shooting this thing up, right? Right. And they're like, in case the bottle's too subtle, let's blow Karen's brains out across the highway. <laughs> I was like, that's horrible. Like, she might be a little unsavory and likely to yell at people that she shouldn't for no reason, right. stick her nose in others' business. But is that an executable offense now? Well, as it was our, I'll tell you this, though. It was our first foreshadowing that this director is truly cavalier in the taking of lives. Yeah, John Watts definitely has no trouble <laughs> taking lives in this movie. Uh, yeah, so like Insane. The, the shoot. First off, I, I got to give props. I love Shea Wiggum. He's one of my all-time favorite character actors. And he does an outstanding so job being this like menacing guy in the trunk, which like – I feel like in any other he's fantastic, he's amazing. Like if you ever catch him in any, any movie he's in, he's absolutely wonderful. He was great in boardwalk empire too, but yeah. he's so any good. Any role You give him, he just chews it up. Yeah. He's so good at being like, it's amazing. Cause the turn of the character, like he's like, Oh, he's gonna, I mean, it's playboys and cash, but you know, I mean, at least trying, like he's obviously an adult and has no idea what children like, yeah. but, and then, immediately on a dime he's like oh by the way i'm gonna fucking shoot your mom i'm gonna shoot your stepdad i'm gonna shoot your grandma i don't give a shit it yeah and that becomes scary to uh oh my god yeah i'm gonna turn your parents face into ground beef oh that monologue as as it's awesome i mean you put that on a reel you'll work forever yeah if right you can do that scene it's perfect you'll work forever absolutely he got that one shot that was his shot in the movie the rest of it and you know, it's funny, too. He's so great at everything. I, I love that actor. But also just him trying to, like, find the hiding spot. <laughs> that feels like it goes on for five minutes. Yeah. And it is shockingly enthralling. To again, me. it's like. I was just watching and I was like, where is he going to hide? What's happening? <laughs> again, there's so much great slapstick comedy in this movie. Like, and it should yeah. not be funny at that point. Like, this is after he's done threatening no. those children. And I should not be enthralled with this guy's hiding spots. But. Well, the kids there. almost shoot each other. Oh my he God. has a gun to the kid's head, right? Uh, Kevin Bacon's just flushing slash snorting all the drugs. And we know he's about to murder everyone, including fellow cops. Right. And we know Karen is out here on a psychological, like, cliff talking to fish. <laughs> everyone in this movie is a terrifying threat to these children. <laughs> these, but these kids are in danger the entire movie. That's where I got that Cohen brother vibe. Yeah, that totally. was the Coen Brother vibe to me for sure. Yeah, this feels like Coen Brothers light to me. So once they have the big shootout, so they have the big shootout, and then you're left even with even the way the shootout ends is so comical. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He just runs out in like his fucking underwear and robe and his boots, and he's just like running and shooting. I was like, what? Happened? Why would you do that? <laughs> he's it went from this tactical like two badasses fighting to the death. Yeah, 
from like Predator to like Cousin Eddie in Christmas Vacation shooting it out with Chevy Chase. <laughs> just like two dipshits. Like we'll just stand up and not have cover and spray bullets at each other. Right. I think that's baffling. Well, that's like, and then so you get to this, you're done, and then you realize, oh fuck, the kids are stuck in the back of the car. <laughs> I. I right. I didn't even put two and two together until they started shouting like, "Oh shit! You can't open those from the inside." Oh my god! What are they gonna? Yeah. And then the inevitable happens. John Watts really shows his ass here, and I had no idea he was gonna do it. Uh, you're like well, the the bullet ricocheting, right? Because I was like, they can't shoot their way out. Those things are gonna be bulletproof. Yeah. They're not. They shoot their way out, right? But it is for one shot. And the only person who suffers is uh, the friend, right? Well, his little friend gets shot in the gut. Yeah. And so now he's got to drive back to society, right? This is the, as the crossing the barbed wire was kind of this <laughs> metaphorical, now we have crossed into a new life and a new land of um, insane whores, right? This this whores of fucking rubes and Karens just killing each other <laughs> across the desert, right? Right. This is the world they've entered. This is him desperately in the dark trying to go back double the speed he was at the start. He was afraid to drive fast. Trying to get his friend back, and his friend just, don't worry, it doesn't hurt It doesn't hurt. Nice tiny Tim voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you're just sitting there. And as an audience, I was like, no, because the kid takes off running, and his friend's not with him. You're like, okay, no, 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 no. No! And it happened. Like, that was my reaction. I was just like, are you fucking... I was like, did they just my girl me? Yeah. Oh, they my girl They just decided for no good reason to hang a dead child on my heart? Yes. And granted, I guess you could argue my girl uses it a little better, but I still think my girl works perfectly fine as a story without the errant bees. Yeah. Right? And it's... I just don't think you should hang a dead child on me unless it matters. And at this point in the movie, right, (laughs) Kevin Bacon is defeated... The criminals defeated. The Karens defeated. These kids have inadvertently set into motion a bunch of problems that they are not responsible for. Right. And they'll probably get a light reprimand, right? They'll be like, hey, thanks for exposing our criminal fucking drug sniffing cop. Whatever. (laughs) What is the value of killing that kid? There is no narrative value to murdering that child. (laughs) I mean, like. The real narrative value is like they don't know how to turn on the headlights, so getting home is gonna be scary. I'm like, there's your narrative right sure. there. What do we need to kill a kid for? Like, I would be hightailing it out of there regardless. Sitting alone in the desert, surrounded by dead bodies, is already scary. That's terrifying. I'm sure they already somewhat regret their. Ch- but this is what they're saying. I ran away from home when I was a kid, right? It was just kind of a rite of passage of kids I knew. Yeah. You get mad at your mom and dad, and you're like, "Fuck it, I'm not going home one night." They find you like two hours later, like, oh, this blows. There's no Super Nintendos or Lunchables out here. And you came <laughs> right. back, right? These kids didn't do anything, right? There's no karmic lesson or punishment for them. They drove a car. Yeah. They were intrigued by weapons, right? They, If anything, it's their parents who let them run away and get 50 miles away, if you believe that number. That feels big. But still, it's they're just kids. They're just kids being kids. And they tried to let the man out when they thought he was a good guy. And I don't understand the decision to just cold-bloodedly murder a 10-year-old <laughs> for no reason. There's no either. narrative value. Because because what is the lesson? Even Kevin Bacon, right? He gets back in his truck, and you're like, oh, this is the showdown. Right. Right? Like, Kevin Bacon's coming. Bacon gets killed by beef. By beef. Not even the kid. 
Nope. Right? The bacon kill is killed by beef. The bacon is killed by beef. He just hits a cop. He just get, hits a cow in the pitch black that somehow got between the two cars at seemingly <laughs> flash level speed. And then not and so Kevin Bacon is killed by beef and the ten year old just dies. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say the movie what leaves it open it's not technically an all the way dead child on the scoreboard that, that kid died but do we really believe this kid's going to be able to navigate through the city in time to get his friend into an or no he died it's the I saddest mean, that, to me that's a yeah you could say that's my girl level offensive that's what it is my girl level yeah, sadness they i mean they spared us the funeral scene that's the difference between <laughs> this and my girl we didn't have to watch the other child weep in agony as he realizes his own mortal coil at fucking 10 years old that uh, was the part that threw me i was like the karen i didn't get karen but it was interesting and weird the right. thing with the fish i was like i'm in yeah right she's obviously a bad person yelling at other kids fine whatever dead kid on the <laughs> dead kidding. kid on the scoreboard but, though different story altogether and the other thing it's not like the kid dies so it sends the other kid into hero overdrive Right. Or the other kid's like, you know what? I regret my decisions. I'm going to go give my grandma a hug. There's actually no emotion at all. The other kid just goes, should have worn the bulletproof vest. Uh, Super matter of fact. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's like, well, that was the solution. to the problem. Like, it was very, it's very weird and very matter of fact. I don't understand. The movie's over. Movie's right? over. <laughs> the movie's over. And you're just left with the arcs. Well, that kid settled. died. Yeah, and the arcs are settled. The movie's over. Bacon's been defeated, and we just need to redefeat him. And they just hang a dead kid on us. A dead, innocent kid <laughs> that adds no fucking value to the rest of the cast. That was a strange... It reminded me of, if you've ever seen... Uh, there's, like, a lot of footage on Clerks, right, now that it became a big hit. Right. You know, in the 90s, and when DVD extras started coming out, I remember one of the first times I saw they're like, oh, Clerks originally ended with Dante getting killed in a robbery. Yeah, yeah. I remember And that. it reminds me of that. Like, when I was in college, right, whenever we would be in, like, screenwriting class or you'd be making short films, you're like, all right, seven of these are going to have a college-age kid killing themselves. Right. Because that's the most dramatic, artistic thing we could imagine at the time, right? Suicide is this very romantic, poetic notion to – you know, art school kids, right? Right, <laughs> That right. have it made. We're like, oh, we're so heavy. Oh, the burden of trying to, you know, get on the Goldberg season four is so hard. Right? <laughs> and it just reminded me, it was a very film student move to just hang a dead kid on the scoreboard. It has no dramatic value at the movie at that point. Right. We don't even mourn that kid. I was just shocked. Yeah, I, was, I, I didn't have enough time to mourn anything. I was just like, Wow. All right, that's the end of the movie. Okay. Well, you're cool. like, yeah, his own little best friend doesn't cry for him, so I guess he was a fuck. The fuck do I care? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the I thing. I feel like they try to make it so that ballsy. he's, like, the instigator kid, so it's, like, almost justified. I'm like, no, there's no justification. He died. No, no. No, he's a good dude. A he good was a fine little adventurous kid, man. All kids are like that at that's that it. age, I he think. He was a good little boy. But I don't – I mean, again, I think – it's a really weird choice that I think they did just to get some indie cred. Right. Like, oh, this will make it more. We'll spruce up the dramatic nature of it. Right on, man. I don't think that was necessary, but I certainly don't think it was some kind of problem that hurts the quality of this film. No, it's right? still. A what this movie does is what a lot of us want to do is it's just this great indie concept with a great cast done highly effectively. It right. Was, yeah. And Kevin Bacon just gives this 
phenomenal performance, right? I like that this movie decides this is a child endangerment movie about guys who are involved in drug crimes, right? But they right. don't make them scary drug criminals. It's not Sicario. These no. guys are just small town rubes reaching over their heads. So it has this kind of lighthearted fun about it until they hang the dead child on us. But it's a really fun movie, it except is. for the dead child again. <laughs> that part is not great, but it is a very fun, like fast, like black comedy. It's good. Yeah, for sure, man. It's it's a really good indie, right? That's enjoyable. a great resume card for a writer, director, actor, anyone. That's Definitely. that's the indie movie I want to see, and that's what I think people want to make, man. Hundred percent. Would you uh, care to share a few parting words to uh, our friend and amigo Kevin Bacon on our way out of Shake and Bacon Month? Okay, Bakes. What have you learned? What have you solidified about Bacon, right? What I've learned is that Kevin Bacon is easily the most versatile actor we have in the time. And, 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 Ooh, I like that. I just got to <laughs> tell you, like, I mean, he goes back and forth, but the two things he does best is the teetering between the uh, humorous and the insane. He can be menacing. He can be funny. He can be lighthearted. He can be scary, but he's never... He, he but he knows how to make those things convalesce into one whole character even if he's only going to be one for a majority of the movie like he is in hollow man or if he's going to be basically the leading man like he is in flatliners kevin bacon always right. knows the tone he must strike and strike it he does and that boy can dance no but <laughs> i just i think kevin bacon what i love about him is that you're getting that level of performance whether it's Tremors or Mystic River, Sleepers, whatever it is, right? If you hire Kevin Bacon, you are getting the ultimate everyman actor, right? right. He's one of the only guys that can make a scientist an everyman to me. Right? Totally. Absolutely. Like, yes, I do have a PhD in uh, invisibility pr phantom particles, but I also listen to new metal. I'm very, very believable. Very versatile. And, and that's what I love about Bacon, right? I think... His IMDb page is so fun to me because he does have this great mix of high quality, you know, awards caliber work, but also genre stuff. And I don't think his quality varies betwixt the two. I don't think so. either. I think that's a really impressive feat to be able to walk that line. Definitely. It's a rare feat. But Kevin Bacon, you Indeed. are the man. All right. We love you, Kevin Bacon. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you again many times on the film Alchemist. All right. That's it. For Cop Car, that's it for Shake and Bacon Month. Next month, the month of Amur, right? We're doing the theme, I would the do anything for love, love, parentheses, but I won't do that. That's the thing to focus on, but I won't do that. Tragically flawed romantic tales coming up next month. I'll announce my two picks. I don't know if Alex has made his. Uh, mine are Near Dark and Harold and Maude. Nice. Two tragically flawed romances from the start. So that's uh, my picks. We'll let Alex get his picks in. We've still got Academy Awards stuff coming out. Uh, we're still going to the theaters to see a couple cool things. So stay tuned. Share us on your socials. Please share us with your friends. Uh, and find us on the Nerd Alchemist and subscribe uh, on YouTube. That's plural with an S at the end on Alchemist. For the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino.